Hello, this is Ida Josefina, and you're listening to Reverb by Sane. My guest today is Sari Azut. Sari is the founder of Startupy, a human index search engine owned by its contributors. Startupy's mission is to map, organize, curate, and interconnect the most interesting business, investing, and culture insights. Previously, Sari spent more than five years running strategy for a startup studio. She's also an angel investor in more than 30 companies and writes a substack called Check Your Pulse, available at sariazut.substack.com. In this episode, Sari and I talk about our shared passion of digital information systems. We cover topics including what is wrong with the internet, the role of curation in Web 2.5, Sari's philosophy in building new systems for navigating information ideas, what Web 3 really is, and some of the problems we face in understanding it. I want to thank Sari for taking the time to have a chat with me. It's super nice to get to speak with someone equally geeky about these topics. I hope you guys get some good nuggets from this conversation. Now I bring you Sari Azut. I'm here with Sari Azut. Welcome, Sari. It's really nice to have you. Such an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Amazing. So let's just get right to it. Uh, We could start today by talking a little bit about your background. Um, Would love it if you could tell our audience a bit about yourself. Uh, What's your story and and what do you do? Yeah, um, what's my story? So I uh, am originally from um, Bogota, Colombia, moved to the States for college, um, arrived to the States really without knowing um, anyone um, or, um, you know, and, and I sort of have always felt that uh, this idea that if you are resourceful and you can use the internet to find people and ideas and concepts, you can, you know, it's sort of like, it doesn't matter, um, where, where you come from. And so for me, this, you know, that moving to the States, um, and arriving here, uh, 15 years ago, um, it sort of opened my mind to, um, just how, um, how that sort of tables um had turned and had and had shifted um in terms of being able to just like have anything um at at your fingertips and so i you know i i've essentially spent the last decade of my life building writing thinking about startups about the future of the internet and i would say that when it comes to technology i'm far less interested in the technology i'm more interested in the people building the technology the people whose lives may be impacted uh by the technology um it sort of dawned on me in the last um, ten years that you know a lot of people when they when they're interested in building something they are they sort of part from uh, an obsession with the technology. I'm obsessed with um, AI or now Web three, and for me um, the technology is almost irrelevant. I've always been technology right. agnostic. For me, um, it's far more interesting to start to begin with a problem um, and then you know use whatever technology um, you know you need to. Um, to get, uh, to get there. And, um, yeah. And so I think so much of my work has always been rooted in people, um, and sort of like going back and understanding like what motivates people. I, I still believe that, that, that we're lacking, um, sort of experiences on the internet that are delightful, that are human at their core, that are fun. Um, and I sort of, with everything that I do for whether it's my investing work, um, my building work, I, I always sort of have the, this, um, mindset of how do we just build this in a way that's a little bit more creative and more human and more delightful. Yeah. And so what, what you went to, you came to the States, you went to university, right? Yeah. I went to Brown, um, in Rhode Island and I studied, um, sociology, economics and philosophy. Um, and 
Um, I, so I was an international student and uh, when I left uh, Brown, the only uh, job that would give me a visa was uh, banking. So I started off my <laughs> path the way many people do, um, but I didn't last long. So I started off in investment banking. I didn't last long. Um, I then left to start um, my first startup, which was um, Marketplace for secondhand apparel. I've also always been very drawn to sort of storytelling, this idea of taking something that's sort of boring or unsexy and sort of flipping it. Um, and uh, so with that company, we sort of like built a, a brand that sort of at the time, this was in 2012, made sort of vintage and thrift and buying secondhand uh, something just more more appealing. Um, There's a lot of storytelling there. Um, sold that company in 2015. And essentially since then, I've worked with hundreds of founders, um, just helping them think about, you know, what to build, how to build it. Um, and yeah, I think that's when I, I've sort of like my job over the last five, six years has been to hang out at the edges of the internet, scour for interesting insights. Um, and I love the phrasing of that. <laughs> um, and, and so I think that the things that I sort of take for granted as far as like my information diet and my information environment are things that like most people don't have access to because yes, we live in the information age, uh, but, um, you know, where, where to find the valuable information, um, is, is not obvious. And especially with the sort of predominant business models, um, I think, you know, most people don't know where to start, don't know where to look. And yeah. so they're sort of spending their time reading, like, I don't know, the latest stats of the day on COVID instead of like nourishing their, um, their, you know, brains and hearts, um, and so I sort of like realized that I had a, a knack for like finding these hidden gems. Um, and it was really sort of the, the, uh, what I was doing when I was, a, I would say like, I was a glorified consultant in a sense, but all, but I, what I was doing is like finding really interesting insights, um, and then synthesizing them in a way that made sense for the, for the founders that I was working with. I was connecting the dots across seemingly unrelated fields, um, and, in the process of doing that, I started, uh, I realized that the, the act of like reading is very different from the act of thinking, right? So you can Absolutely. be reading something because it's in front of you um, or because you see it on your Twitter feed, uh, but it doesn't hit home in the same way than it does when you are thinking about it uh, in the context of a specific problem or challenge. Um, and so I started building what I called like a resonance database where I would just like add all sorts of things that, that would resonate with me and, um, make it, make sure that they were sort of discoverable later on. And yeah, I mean, the rest is history, but I would say like, like the act of like starting this database, uh, which has now sort of become much bigger than myself is, uh, it just sort of like woke me up to how much, um, the fact that like the internet was an information big bang, we've had no sort of symmetric explosion in our ability to process that information. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't come from like an information architecture background, but I certainly like arrived um, at this with a lot of sort of passion and curiosity based on my own experience of how mm. building this sort of information corner uh, of the internet was such a healthy thing for me. That's that's really fascinating, and I especially resonate with what you said about reading is not the same as thinking, and that idea has actually guided our product 
um, philosophy a lot. Um, we call it like meditative thinking where you're not necessarily like ours isn't like uh, what we're building with saying isn't necessarily that it's in a very specific like given context, but the idea to sort of like meditate on words and to really think about something is completely different from like doom scrolling and like trying to consume as much sort of random information as, as possible. So um, I'm really curious to hear more about your plans um, on, you you know, uh, expanding this kind of database. But before we get into that, I would like to ask you to kind of like, maybe, maybe you already touched on it, you probably covered a part of it, but maybe you could still like summarize sort of your philosophy or the sort of central thesis or let's say mission you have for your work um, in a short summary. Yeah, for sure. I would say like my my, I think that a couple things, the currency of the world, I think is no longer money, it's ideas. Um, but we don't, we don't, we're not currently properly set up to come up with good ideas in the first place. Like, I think everyone talks about the internet as being like, oh, you know, we're, it's turning everyone into narcissists. I actually think that the, a much like, we've always been narcissists. Like, I think that a much worse <laughs> problem is just like the present mindedness, this sort of like never ending now, this inability to like you know, like remove yourself from the present, um, and, um, and just like find, um, wisdom. Like, yes, we talk about DAOs today, but like, you know, why not look at, um, kibbutz or like, you know, other sort of like, you know, like organizations historically and, and sort of like find wisdom there. So I would say like my, I, my mission, I would say like today is like startup's mission. And I, and I sort of define it as, uh, our mission is to curate, map, organize, and interconnect, um, the world's most valuable business investing and culture insights. Um, and I say insights because I do think that, um, you know, curation thus far has been very focused on, oh, you know, here's a, you know, ton of interesting links to read, or here's a hundred books you should read. And frankly, like that, like the, nobody has time for that, uh, first of all. And I would also say, like, I also think a lot about content density, like the number of insights, uh, per sentence or per paragraph, um, and this idea of like having an insight be the atomic unit um, of uh, an information architecture, it just it just means that um, it becomes a lot easier to sort of uh, remix things, um, like increase creativity, and just like have a much richer sort of garden of ideas um, to pull from. So um, yeah, I think I mean that that's sort of a roundabout way of saying that um, you know I think the information is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. Right. And so I'm interested in democratizing access to the insights that have allowed me to sort of think the way that I think today, um, and create in the way that I create today. Um, and I think so much, uh, of a certain, like the challenges that we face today are a result of having the wrong architectures, um, to think, uh, to come up with ideas, to remix ideas. I mean, everything is really sort of a combination of the things that came before them. And if we have a better way to sort of remix ideas, we'll ultimately like be better able to solve the most important problems we face. Absolutely. So I, I you already touched a bit on like sort of what what's wrong with like what's wrong with how things are today, but would you be able to summarize like what you think is wrong with the internet? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, at the risk I th- of think I uh, uh, sounding a little bit too simplistic, I think that being stuck um, in the present is one of the biggest threats we have. Um, you know, it, it's funny today we'd sort of be dismissed as anti anti intellectuals for burning a book, but I think the social media feeds that we've essentially um, created and that we use um, are the sort of primary tools we interface. Um, uh, to, we used to interface with the internet um, are the equivalent of essentially burning a book. Like their content is meant to be burned. It is not meant to last. Um, 
And I sort of see uh, access to information and abundance of, abundance of information as a feature of the internet. But the fact that we're drowning in information is a bug. Like we, it doesn't, the fact that there is a lot of information, um, like we can't change how much information there is, but we can certainly change how it feels to navigate it. Um, and I'm sort of like perplexed by how little, um, we has like changed, um, in the way of like how we consume information. Like, you know, there's been a ton of changes in how we publish information, uh, but not as many changes in how we consume them. And so, um, you know, I always think that you know, what would happen if, uh, we sort of designed our interfaces with the primary goal of helping us think better rather than um, interrupting us, right? So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I guess like, I, you know, I think that the, the biggest problems that we face require careful planning, long-term attention. And if we're constantly scrolling and reading hot takes and sort of, you know, stripped of context, uh, you know, we're, we're just we're just not going to be able to solve these these really big, important problems. And so I sort of like see it as, as my mission um, to sort of transition from a world where information demands your attention to one uh, where you get the right information on demand um, and, uh, and have sort of, you know, uh, uh, and one where like, you know, when we think about our goal, I mean, when you think about Twitter, uh, Google's goal, like, you know, they need to get more people clicking on ads. Like our single goal is to help people think better. Right. So you're basically talking about curation. Like we need, we need curators. Right. And I think you wrote some, I think you wrote an essay where you literally said the curators are the new Google. No. Uh, do you want to, do you want to explain what you meant by that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I have a lot of thoughts on, on curation. I think the first thing I'll say is that I think the conversation around curation has focused too much on reducing the amount of information and too little on what other architectures are possible outside of feeds um, or newsletters. Like, I, I just don't think it's that imaginative to, um, you know, be, to be able to share like interesting um, books or curate a list you know, in like a list format, right? Like, what are the, what's the likelihood that when I need something, um, I will be able to get it served by a curator. And so to me, the magic sort of happens at the intersection of curation, which is like filtering what we consume, knowledge management, which adds sort of structure and goal orientation to um, our information stream, and then community, because, uh, you know, I, I just think that the, if the internet has shown one thing, it's like the power of networked knowledge. Um, so, yeah, I guess like my, my view is that curation is a really sort of important uh, missing piece, but we need to layer or, or combine that with knowledge management in order to make um, the, the sort of, to, in order really to honor the curator's labor and work, because, you know, yes, we have more meaningful intellectual content today than we had a decade ago, but, you know, how does that serve us if it's not discoverable or indexed? Like, arguably, we have more of it, but it's less discoverable and less indexed. So maybe that's a good way into talking a little bit more about startup e or your company. Like, how does that look like in practice? The the what you're describing here. Yeah. Um, so I describe startup e um, as a human indexed search engine um, owned by its contributors. Uh, I like to describe it as though Rome, Wikipedia, Crunchbase, and a DAO had a baby. And you know, essentially, I think that. Um, 
I, uh, I mentioned earlier this sort of database that I um, uh, created for myself. And essentially, like the database was um, just you know, me spending thousands of hours interconnecting content with topics and people and companies and projects. And it sort of dawned on me that this was not just a database for myself, but uh, the foundation for a new paradigm in our relationship to information, like a curated graph uh, with connections is a much better way to navigate um, information um, than a feed. Um, and so uh, the goal with Startupy is to take the foundation that I built um, with my database and transition to community brain, right? So there are thousands of people sharing insights on a long tail of topics. This content is poorly indexed by Google because Google is SEO optimized. Um, and, you know, if you, for most terms, like if you, I don't know, if you want to learn about NFTs and you plug in a query into Google, you're going to get a lot of these sort of uh, content marketing, SEO garbage. You're not going to get the really meaningful stuff written by operators and thinkers. Um, and so my view is that the, the information that is not properly indexed by Google, um, we should have like Startupy is building out the community and the infrastructure um, and the tooling uh, so that the this community of curators can filter, organize, curate, index that information um, and effectively become a search engine um, for this specific type of knowledge. I mean, I'm not, you know, by no means are we trying to compete um, with Google, but I think that, you know, there is this sort of like unbundling of search that will happen. Um, and for many, many categories, um, you know, just Google's just not cutting it today. Um, and it, when it comes to um, startups and business and tech and culture insights, um, it, you know, which is sort of the, my domain, um, that, that's sort of where, where we're beginning. That's, uh, I'm very much looking forward to using this product. Um, when are you, when is it going to be available? Um, so I've been in development, um, for almost a year now, um, but basically on my own. Um, I now have a small and mighty team around me um, and we are gonna be launching our private beta soon. Uh, so anyone listening to this podcast, um, if you DM me on Twitter at Sari Azut, I will give you access. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, as you probably um, can empathize with, building software products is really, really hard. Um, and so I think that, you know, hopefully we'll be um, uh, out of the public in the next couple months, but, you know, we're, we're still trying to, to um, hash out some, some kinks. Um, let's talk a little bit about Web3. I think it's um, an interesting subject, uh, mainly because Twitter seems to be going nuts around it and it's impossible to ignore if you exist on the internet. Uh, maybe it would be helpful to take a minute to actually summarize the ideas of, of Web3. Uh, you've written quite a lot uh, on your Substack about it. Do you want to kind of give, I don't know, like a few, few sort of um, sentences to explain like what Web3 is all about and how does Startup be fit into that? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, what's interesting about Web3 is that there are many, many doors into Web3. Um, and, uh, you know, some people come in through the DeFi doors, um, other people come in through the creator economy. Um, and so I think part of the context collapse that we experience on Twitter um, and the extreme, like, you know, uh, this is all a Ponzi scheme and, you know, vaporware, or this is going to change the world. And like, you know, like the foundation of our society is going to be completely like revolutionized um, is, is, I think, a sort of dip, like dependent on what sort of door you come in from. 
Um, I think at a high level, um, my interest in Web3 um, comes from, like, I, I sort of see the world through the lens of incentive design um, and incentives, like, you know, the sort of, like, Charlie Munger, uh, tell me the incentive and I'll tell you the outcome. And so, you know, because I've been fascinated by this problem of knowledge um, and curation over the last sort of two years or so, um, to me, uh, this idea that you could tap into network knowledge, like what are the, you know, clearly like people are, are driven to contribute for a whole range of reasons. Um, and Wikipedia is proof that, that intrinsic incentives can uh, you know, create very powerful and, and magical um, uh, sort of like, you know, community driven, um, you know, public goods. But uh, to me, this idea that you could layer on top of intrinsic incentives, um, sort of ownership at the top of that was really, really interesting. It, it, it was never like it, whether we do that with Stripe, like traditional Web2 stuff or Web3 stuff. I, again, I was totally agnostic to the technology. But the more that I learned, um, the more I realized that um, at, at its sort of very basic, like Web2, uh, if Web1 is read only and Web2 is read write, um, Web3 is read write own. We are like essentially what is being created is a digitally native value exchange layer such that if in web two, um, uh, essentially like, you know, sending information is as easy as, as, as sending an email and clicking a button. What is, what is the equivalent of that for value? And if we can exchange value in very granular ways, um, then we unlock a lot of really interesting use cases. Because if you think about, uh, digitally like native work and, and, you know, sort of like platforms and the internet today, like the users are no longer the users. The users do the work. If you think about Uber, the users are driving the, you know, or if you think about Wikipedia, the users are like the, the, the platforms are providing the infrastructure, but there's sort of this like blurred line between, um, the customer, um, and the person that's doing the work. And that's very, very new um, in the sense that like a hundred years ago, like it was, the lines were very simple. The business like, you know, uh, delivered a service and the customer purchased it. And now like the digital world has created this, created this like blurry line. And I think where Web3 is interesting or the, the door sort of into Web3 that I'm interested in is the ability to allow um, communities and groups of people to participate um, in the value uh, that they create. Um, you know, and, and I think that everything is nuanced, right? Like it's one thing to say, I want to give ownership to my community. Uh, yeah, it's another thing entirely to ask, like, how do you do that? Is governance ownership? Like, you know, there, there's been a ton of questions around, like, you know, if you think about like OpenSea, well, OpenSea is still a centralized player, like it's owned by its founders and shareholders and and so I think that, you know, a lot of this sort of language, um, the language wars are sort of playing out in real time. Like, I think that a lot of these things are poorly defined. What is Web 3? What is Web 2 and a half? What is a DAO? Like most DAOs are neither decentralized nor autonomous. And we still use the term. Um, and so I think that... I was going to say that because I, I think the, the, the confusion for me has really been like how, <laughs> like I understand the giving ownership to the creators and the sort of in the community that that makes sense. But what's the real difference like between Substack and what you know Web three means? Like what a DAP is? You know, like Substack does give that value, but it takes a transaction fee. Wouldn't the only difference the only be difference. right? But imagine, imagine, um, 
you know, like I, I've been writing a Substack newsletter. I'm not, not, don't publish frequently anymore, but, uh, but I probably was, you know, one of the early people that had, that, that started writing a newsletter on Substack. Um, in web three, the idea would be that as an early adopter, I would, um, I would partake, like if Substack were to, uh, you know, create tokens or sell for, you know, billions of dollars, like the idea is that some of that value would be shared with, um, the early writers. Um, and so I think that there are layers of ownership, right? Like I think owning your email, um, list is certainly like ownership in a sense. Um, right. and that's why I think that the language, like there, there's no clarity. Like, yeah, I think then when people talk about ownership, they're referring to different things. Um, I think in the case of Substack, there's no financial shared upside in the sense that if Substack becomes a $100 billion company, um, none of the writers um, will directly benefit from that other than just, you know, like using a platform that's, that's you know, pre presumably worth that because uh, they're delivering value to its creators. Um, so I think there's, there's sort of layers of ownership. And that's why I think we um, sort of like have a responsibility to have these conversations more openly where we not only use the term ownership loosely, but sort of define what it means because it can mean a lot of different things and a lot of people care about Definitely. governance a lot of people care about you know being able to own their information and be able to take it uh with them to any platform a lot of people care about financial upside and and so it's sort of like all depends and is, is is still being collapsed into one thing yeah i mean we could probably go on for three hours about this particular subject but i think like what i've really struggled with in trying to understand these things is that i mean if if you're a builder if you're you know, startup founder that wants to build in this space and wants to create something that is decentralized, but then you have investors and you need to make sure that you're achieving certain goals. And what is the level of sort of centralization that you, you need to keep, you know, like, I mean, that that's the thing that's, I think like unclear and sort of, I mean, it is undefined. It's not like anyone really knows exactly how the space is going to look like, but it, for me, it seems like, um, I am slightly skeptical to this sort of like direction that the, you know, Web3 enthusiasts are talking about, because for me, it may maybe makes more sense to just build like much better centralized and regulated systems that are really sort of ethical and fair and heading into the right direction than maybe this kind of like are we going into some kind of like digital anarchy? What does that look like? You know, that those are, I don't know if you have like a, a comment on that, but do you think that that's like a right kind of potential criticism um, from someone who doesn't know too much about the space? Yeah. I mean, I'm like certainly not a decentralization maximalist. Like I, and frankly, like this, you know, this is sort of like before web three um, and after web three. So I've, I've always believed that I do believe in this sort of like, lone genius that's sort of like almost like um maybe this is sort of too harsh of a term but this like that's sort of like founder um sort of dictatorship where like you have this sort of vision and idea and so to sort of open that up to um sort of like you know every decision is made by committee i i you know that sort of like doesn't square uh up well with um like the fact that I, I, I am a creator first and foremost, I want to create, I have a specific vision and, um, you know, can, can you co-create that along with the community? Yes. But I certainly buy into the progressive decentralization. I, I think that if every decision we made at Startup today was put up to a vote, um, it would be terrible. 
Um, I do think <laughs> that decentralization works in like certain, I mean, if you look at like protocols like Uniswap, uh, Zora, like, you know, I understand where like the, the value at the protocol layer of decentralization. I think for, um, for, products like sane and startupy where there's you know you you have a sort of a a vision in mind um and there's sort of a, a level of sort of curation um and authority that you want to have to sort of manifest this vision i um yeah i i certainly like don't don't think that that you know putting things to a vote makes sense i also think that um you know the way that governance like works today like the fact that that, that everyone that, that people have tokens and can vote like it's hard enough, like having ran like and and then been a part of several boards of startups and as an investor, it's hard enough to get your board to care enough to you know do all of the work ahead of time to have the right context and the right um, sort of you know information to uh, weigh in um, and help make decisions. I can't imagine uh, you know a, a sort of like collective of people that are completely distributed having the bandwidth. Um, to to you know be able to sh- participate in shaping um, uh, you know like beyond just like a, the, a core group of contributors so so I think that the the governance tools are still evolving um, there's like now um, you know a ton of people are thinking about delegating votes so I, I, all this to say that I you know my approach um, with startupy is uh, to be thoughtful uh, around how we implement a lot of these things we're not going to jump into uh, you know, allowing, issuing, uh, you know, tokens and allowing people to vote with their tokens like that. There's, you know, I could see a lot of ways in which that could um, go wrong. I think the promise of uh, building communities on the internet where people um, can more actively shape um, and participate uh, in the co-creation of those at a high level, I completely agree with. I think we're very limited yeah. Yeah. by tooling Uh and I think we're still very much in the skeuomorphic stage of that where, you know, we have one token and one vote and we use these tools like Snapshot. And uh, and the reality is, you know, if you look at a lot of what's happening in Web3 today, it's four or five people making decisions, then putting those decisions to a vote. The votes are 99%. Yes. Like, you know, it's like there, there's just there's just not, I would say, a ton of progress um, happening there from a sort of org design perspective. Um so I think it depends. I mean, where I sit is I'm not a decentralization maximalist, uh, but I very much believe in incentive design. Yeah. And um, and for me, the part of ownership that I care most about is um, is the idea of being able to share upside uh, with the people that were responsible for creating the value. Completely agree. Um, as this podcast is about information, the pursuit of knowledge and ideas in general, I thought a good ending for the conversation would be if you could share a personal experience on having an aha moment. Uh, You know, when something just sort of clicks and that realization takes you on a completely new journey. Do you resonate with that kind of description at all? Yeah, aha moments. Um, Yeah, I guess like the one thing that's been so instrumental and life-changing for me was um, writing and starting a newsletter and sharing my ideas in public. Um, I do think that writing is networking for introverts. And um, and I will say that um, from like one of my aha moments, um, because I've sort of never considered myself a creator. Um, and in some ways, um, you know, now that I sort of have an archive of um, and trail of things on the internet that I've written, I think that 
a lot of people attribute to genius what is just time, right? Time spent thinking. Um, and I think a lot of the sort of most interesting things that we're going to put out um, in the coming months um, is really just like, I, th- I, I, I think a lot of people see really great things and they think, oh, you know, they're incredible. They're just a lot better than me. Uh, and I think that people underestimate how much effort um, or how much hard, like harder, um, like pe- just certain like people are working um, to get things done. And I think in you know in an, in a world where we're sort of constantly being pulled in a thousand directions, just being able to uh, sort of pound your head against the wall, think of one problem, um, you know, be obsessed with that constantly. Re- I mean, with the beauty of the startup database is that I've sort of revisited the same content again and again. And every time that I read it, I learn something different um, going back to the thinking versus reading. And so I just think that's a, that's a, it's a powerful aha moment because it made me realize that, uh, you know, at, like with enough time and attention, we can solve so many more things that we can, than, than we sort of give ourselves credit for. Um, and so I guess like maybe like the right, the right way to wrap is just like, um, emphasizing the importance like let's let's not take for granted um the the fact that like feeds should be the predominant way that we consume information right like there are better ways to do this that are going to be more conducive and and almost like the marshall McLuhan, uh you know first like we shape our tools and then they shape us um you know i i sort of subscribe to that view um and i think that if you subscribe to that view then you know a big important question is sort of what what is the outcome that we want and how do we sort of backtrack from that outcome into building the tools that will help us get there today. Incredible ending. Thank you so much, Sorry, It was really nice talking to you. Yeah, thank you.